another episode of Beckett's Babies, a playwriting podcast. Every week we discuss plays we love, interview theater artists, and share our thoughts on playwriting and theater. We are your hosts, Sarah Cho. And Sam Collier. And today we are so excited to introduce you to Margot Connolly. Margot's a playwright and librettist who's interested in coming of age stories and the complicated lives of teenage girls and women. And her plays include Belfast Kind, which won JPP's Jewish Playwriting Contest and was a finalist for the Patty Abramson Prize, Quiz Out, which was a Princess Grace finalist and a 2019 Kilroy's Honorable Mention, and The Twitch, which was a Princess Grace finalist, as well as her play Tough. Margot, we're so excited to have you on Beckett's Babies. Welcome to the show. Yay, thanks for having me. Yeah, so we love to start off, um, since we're called Beckett's Babies, with stories <laughs> from babyhood or childhood. So tell us. Very what loose. Was your, it's very loose. <laughs> what was your <laughs> earliest memory before you even heard of the word playwriting? Yeah. Um, yeah, I was like, oh, no, I don't know if I have many memories from babyhood. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, probably my first memory or, you know, it's interesting because when I think about it, it's so located in place is like how you can tell what mm-hmm. time memories happened. And they're like really two clear memories. And they both have to do with my twin sister where she was like running around and she got stitches. And oh I just gosh. remember like being in the kitchen, she like ripped her ear on like a <gasps> kitchen cabinet or something. Ooh, um, gosh. And then she went away and got stitches and came back and she, maybe she got like four stitches or something, but she got four quarters, one for each stitch. And I was so, <laughs> I was like, oh my God, she's rich and I have nothing. Uh, <laughs> and I don't even have stitches. So yeah, that's probably a, a pretty clear one. And then in the same house, like I think in even the same like chair where I watched this like, you know, deep ear tragedy unfold of just like sitting there and like reading a Beauty and the Beast picture book. Like, you know, re- mm. I'm doing air reading a Beauty and the Beast picture book. Uh, so I don't know, it's probably around like three or four. Yeah. Now was your sister the one who was running around and getting hurt all the time and you were the one watching and learning from her mistakes? Or was that just... Oh no, I'm sure we we ran around each other constantly. Uh, okay, okay, okay. But, um, yeah, in that wow. instance, maybe I was barefoot and she was wearing socks or something, and you know, just went down. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oof, ouch. But yeah. Wow, sisters. <laughs> <laughs> um. So let's. So could you talk to us a bit about your journey into theater? Um, how did you? first learn about theater and then get get involved with it and playwriting yeah so I I was interested in theater for a really long time I was like my mother's a photographer and my father you know did a lot of like graphic design and interior design and stuff like that and they're very like arty people so all of our like after school you know activities were always like art things like maybe I played soccer one time and I didn't like it. <laughs> and I did karate briefly and then I was like oh, the yeah. sensei is mean and I don't like this. <laughs> but um so we were always doing like you know different art activities and mine were always theater uh based so I was just like in a ton of shows um all the time in you know elementary school and our like summer camp was you would write a show and then like perform it for the camp like you know that was the big cool thing. uh so yeah, so I was always really interested in theater. Um, 
and like, you know, predominantly like when you're that young, it's always acting that everyone's doing. And then I started at, um, like a middle school, like a combined middle and high school where mm-hmm. in the high school, they had like a playwriting class and I was in the middle school and then they would do, they did three shows a year. And the third play was like a uh, student written and directed one act. And like, you know, I was like that I want to do, I want to be in this play. Like, you know, someone yeah. seen me wrote a play about like, I was a little girl in like a white dress with an army helmet that was constantly polishing like a, a BB gun and like saying, <laughs> And I was like, this is the best thing I've ever done in my whole life. <laughs> and one day I'm going to be the like senior writer, like, you know. And so then I started taking that playwriting class when I hit high school. And it was like, you know, it was so tiny. It was like four or five people in this teacher's office, like one period a day. Um, but they would offer it every trimester. So mm-hmm. like, you know, and I would just, I just kept taking it. Um so, you know, by the time I finished high school, I had like seven one act plays or, you know, some like full length plays mm-hmm. which 60 minutes long. And I was like, oh, my God, like, <laughs> it's a full evening of theater. Um, but yeah, that's kind of, you know, that's how I really ran hard at playwriting from that point. That's great. And then you studied playwriting in college, right? In undergrad? Yeah, I did. Well, and I went I ended up I went to Bennington College for undergrad Um and their whole thing is that there's like no majors and you write your own plan. And I was like, mm. great. I am not sure if I like want to study acting. Ha ha ha. Ha ha ha. Oh no. <laughs> like, you know, I don't know if I want to study acting or if I want to do more like English or whatever. So like, this is great. I can do everything I want to do. Um, mm. And I got there and Sherry Kramer was my advisor. Yeah. Amazing. I know. Like shout out to Sherry Kramer. <laughs> All the time. That's just Sherry Kramer. Which was phenomenal. And I like, you know, I weaseled my way into her like advanced or, you know, whatever intermediate playwriting class my first Mm -hmm. term and was just like sitting there like totally terrified. And the thing that was like really fascinating was I like did this class and I wrote a full play and like, you know, probably was like, you know, 70, 90 minutes or something. And I was like, I cannot believe how good I am at this. Like, (laughs) I'm so like, I've done so much. And I went at the end of the term to like meet with Sherry and she was like, cool, like, let's start on, here's the feedback and I have. And I was like, feedback? Like I've never gotten hard feedback because in high school, everyone was just like, oh my God, you finished the play. You're amazing. Like what? Uh, And then I was like getting real feedback from Sherry and I was like, oh my gosh, like, oh. Uh, I think it's one of the hardest things for like mm -hmm. young playwrights, you know, 18 to 20 years old. Like I see it with my students all the time. They're like, what do you mean revised? I'm done. I finished the play, you know, know. time to write the next one. Yeah. Yeah. And that was so like, you know, in high school, it was like, you'd finish the play at the end of the term, we'd all eat pizza, we'd read the plays together. And then it would be like, hooray, you did it. Like move on. And, you know, and I'd like got, we'd, done a couple of them in the like student written and directed one X and even then like very thin on the rewriting front. Yeah. Uh, But that, but it was so amazing. Like, you know, and I left that meeting with Sherry with like eight pages of notes and was like, Oh my God, like what, what do I do with this? And I was like, Mm -hmm. well, I guess I like rewrite the play. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But yeah. And Sherry's so amazing and wonderful. And I can't say sing her praises enough. Uh, great advisor too. I remember the first time I met with her about one of my plays when she came to visit Iowa and I was just like oh this is a whole different kind of 
experience to get feedback from Jerry mm-hmm. Kramer because she's just so yeah. she's so deeply invested in in your play and she has she's just so brilliant about yeah um like pulling out yeah the threads and oh yeah sure well, everything connects yeah and she's that's the thing that I think is so amazing particularly about feedback from her is it's so she pays such close attention and is yeah. so like you know it like because listening to that I, part of me you know, I remember like writing this down and being like, so I guess the play is bad. But also like listening to the way that she had picked up on things and was like drawing, you know, like tracking like pointers and plants and all of these things of her like pedagogy of how plays work and being mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, like one, I've like put all these things in there without even realizing it. Right. Also like, wow, my play is like a real play. She's doing the stuff to it that we did to Streetcar Named Desire like earlier in the term. Or what right. was it we did uh, right long day's journey into night and like graft and tracked alcohol through the play. And I was like, Oh my God, she's doing that with like my play. Like it's a real play. Yeah. <laughs> Which is so amazing. Yeah. That's so true. So, okay. So then you went to Iowa and then you went to Juilliard. So can you just talk a little bit about, um, for our listeners who are thinking about maybe applying to MFA programs, uh, what that was like for you and how it shaped your writing? Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think obviously I love school, right? I love school. I love teachers. I love Sherry Kramer. I love <laughs> Anne Mahoney was my high school playwriting teacher who I also loved. Like, you know, so it was always in my mind that I was like, I really want to go to grad school because um, I love school and teachers. And Sherry actually, like when I was at Iowa, I met with, or not at Iowa, when I was at Bennington, I met with her before um, I graduated and was like, okay, like if I want to go to grad school, what do I do? And she was like, you wait two years, <laughs> like you go out and you like have a job and like do other things and like, write. And then if you still want that in like two years, you like find mm-hmm. a, a program, which I think actually was like really amazing advice for me. Um, I don't think it would have been good for me to go straight from Bennington to Iowa. Um, well, because also, mm-hmm. you know, there's something, and as I've said several times, I love school, but um, there's something about being out of school and realizing that this is still something that you really want to do that's, like, really validating, yeah. not just yeah. like, oh, I have something to do, like, I have to, I won't get a good grade if I don't turn it in, Um, you know, to, to have to self-motivate in that way is, um, you know, really useful. Um. Definitely sort of cemented that I was like, well, I could, I can self-motivate my, by myself, but I also want more school and I want to, you know, I want more rigorous time. And I was like living in New York and I had all these bizarre internships and I was working for a babysitting agency. That was the weirdest thing I've ever, it's not the weirdest thing I've ever done, but it was a really weird job. Um, and it was like, man, I could just really use time. Uh, where I'm not like constantly running to like bizarre, like going to Trump International Hotel and watching the children of. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh my God, it was so crazy. And you'd show up at these hotels and they'd like send you up and you'd, you'd just watch strangers' children. One time I showed up and the kid only spoke French. And they were like, wow. they were like, your name is French. And I'm like, that doesn't know <laughs> <do> anything. <laughs> um, but you know, there were just so many other demands on my time. And so it was, I wanted to go to grad school so I could have, you know, time and space to write and just focus on, on art. Uh, Mm -hmm. So yeah. And obviously like Iowa was really big on my 
list because Sherry Kramer had taught there and had, you know, spoke very highly of it. And then um, also Sherry would go, you know, every couple of terms uh, and like guest teach at other places. Mm -hmm. Um, And when she would go, she often like, you know, would get former students of hers to come and be her like, not substitute, but you know, to, to teach for a term while she was gone. So like, you know, Sam Hunter had come and I was like, oh my gosh, like, he's really cool. And, you know, and his plays sort of reminded me of some of my plays because I was like, oh, they're not like formally, oh, this sounds bad. They're not like formally very interesting. They're just like normal people, like watching mm-hmm. those of normal people. And I was like, oh, that's like much more what my work is like, whatever. So I was like, mm-hmm. yeah. Really um, well, I think that the thing about his kind of plays is the form disappears. It's not the thing that yes. you're looking at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's such a great way to say it. But it's, yeah, it's just watching little slivers of, like, people's lives, um, which is what I, you know, that's the kind of play I like to write, and that's the kind of thing I'm really interested in. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I applied to Iowa, and I got in, and I got an email from Art Barreca, <laughs> which was him. And I had emailed to be like, hey, like, just checking on, like, the status of my application, whatever. And he emails back, like, please find attached um, this, something regarding the status of your application. I was like, oh, cool. So I didn't get in. And I clicked the letter and it was like, congratulations. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like he just remembered that he should send you that letter. <laughs> like, it was so, it was like, oh, wow. the email, but like, sure. Uh, and yeah, and I moved to, yeah, moved to Iowa site unseen. And, it, you know, and it was great. I mean, I think Iowa and Juilliard are really interesting programs put next to each other because they're so different but they're really similar in a lot of ways Hmm. um in the sense that like you know both the thing that's similar about both of them is that they're really into this idea that they're not going to teach you how to write a play they're like you know how to write a play that's here you Mm -hmm. we're giving you like time and space and feedback to develop your play um and there's not necessarily like, you know, I remember my first term at Iowa, someone came, I don't, I don't know if I remember who it was, but someone came from a different program to be like a guest. And they were like, if you were in my program, I would make you write this kind of play to like stretch your muscles. And I was like, that sounds horrifying. <laughs> I don't stretch any muscles. I'm happy with the muscles I have. I'd rather stretch like them at my own discretion. Um, mm. Yeah, I agree. I think that's, that was the thing I liked the most about Iowa yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, And yeah, and that just, you know, that really suited me, especially because at that point I had just like sort of figured out that I liked writing about teenage girls. Like all of my plays from high school and a decent number of my college plays were like just about, um, they were all about men, which I think is really fascinating. Mm. (laughs) Um, And, you know, I had just sort of like, I wrote um, Belfast Kind was the play that I got into Iowa with. And I wrote that, which is about a 13 year old girl uh, getting bat mitzvahed in Northern Ireland during the troubles. Um, mm. And I was like, Ooh, I love this. Like I love writing this girl and I love writing her friends. And I love like how complicated everything is at that age group in a way that I think people don't really look at closely or with rigor. Uh, and then the nice thing about getting to Iowa was I was like, cool, I'm just going to keep writing plays like this. And no one was like, well, maybe you should try this or aren't you interested in that? Or, you know, I was able to just be like, this is the thing I just figured out I want to do. And I was mm-hmm. able to just do it um, for three years, which was amazing. And the thing too, that was so great for me at Iowa is 
I had such great actors. Like I know that is not true for many people who are like, I have written a play about like an 85 year old man. <laughs> it's like, oh, like let's like slap some like baby powder on this kid's hair and like give him some old age lines with, you know, an eyeliner pencil and blah, this 20 year old. But I was writing all these plays about teenage girls and I had this like captive group of, you know, college students that were yeah perfect you know I was always casting like I had lists like four or five deep I was like excellent like let's go wild and that was really wonderful too about being in Iowa was just getting to work with actors that were so right for for my plays was really wonderful this is like making me so what you said rings so true about um you know taking your time um after graduating from college and that spending some time um, doing something else before getting to grad school because there's so many times when I talk to someone who just got out of college and they're asking me questions like, well, I'm a grad school. I want to jump into grad school, right? Because everyone's doing it, right? Grad school. And then I was just like, uh, take your time. Like, why do you want to go to grad school? Like, think about those mm. things because it's such a – it is an investment of your time and um, – yeah. And so I just feel like there's, there's just something true about, I feel like people don't talk enough about is like, just because everyone is jumping into an MFA doesn't mean it might be a right thing for you. Um, yeah. Just kind of well, look closely. Timing is, yeah. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, no. Go ahead. Oh, no. I just think timing for that sort of thing is so important. Cause also if you get there and like, and you know, and I had a different experience going to Juilliard because I went straight from Iowa to Juilliard. And, you know, the first term I was like kind of burned out where I was like, cool, I just wrote like six plays in three years and I'm going to write another six in the next two. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> my brain was just like leaking. By the end of that first year, I like that whole summer was just like rejuvenating, um, like and trying to like heal mm. my brain because I had just been like churning out so much work, yeah. which was really great in a lot of ways because it meant it yeah. means I now have like 12 uh, you know, drafts of different plays, which is amazing. Right. But, you know, I think it was really wonderful. Separately, I had a really great experience waiting between undergrad and Iowa. And I figured out a kind of story I was interested in mm-hmm. that I hadn't mm-hmm. no, that I hadn't been interested in in college. Like, you know, in college, I was writing a lot of like family dramas with, you know, four generations of like brothers can you imagine uh but you know having this time and certainly like having this time to think and like do my own research at my own pace and like all of this stuff you know like opened up something that I I don't know that I would have gotten as much out of Iowa if I'd gone straight from undergrad and it's so tempting right because it's like a place to go and it's like oh this is like a really clear trajectory as I just go to more school but and I love school. I really do. <laughs> <laughs> right. but you I and Sam. Fun. You guys love school. <laughs> yeah, I also think- love school. I just love school. School's great. Um, but yeah, I think timing is so important and is something we don't talk about as much for mm. grad school. Definitely. Yeah. And like, you know, my mother actually went back to grad school um, right when I finished undergrad. And like, you know, that wow. was like you know and that was like so amazing for her and it was like that she was at a point where she was like well I need this and I like want this and and I can go get it which what I was the degree what, what was she studying 
uh, photography. So she has oh, her cool. income from um, University of Hartford. Uh, cool. Yeah. Which was really exciting. That's too. Awesome. But yeah. yeah. School will always be there, you guys. School will always <laughs> be there. The yeah. No, school's always there. Uh, and the thing that's interesting also about like school for me that's been so wonderful is I've landed with really fantastic cohorts and not mm. that you have any control over that when you're applying to the school but like sometimes right. I'm like what would have happened if I'd applied like a year earlier and gotten in and I didn't have like mm. Scott or Marcella or like you know my class at Juilliard or that's something you have no control over but like fate lines up to like bring you to the right place with the right people at the right time maybe I don't know how fate works oh and but then and then the thing that's interesting about Juilliard, like the thing that's really different between those two programs, because Juilliard too is like, cool, like we want three plays a year and they can be whatever you want. Like, you know, there's no, they're like, this is your day, bring in your play and mm-hmm. we will discuss it. Um, and there's like a little overlap with the actors, but not super much. Those those acting students are so busy. Uh, <laughs> mm. but, um, but the big thing that's really different about those two programs is Iowa never talks about uh, career stuff like right right big, big red x like you know not not the point um and juilliard talks about career stuff a lot um but often from other students like it was interesting i was definitely going in with less career experience and i would sit there and we had a section of class that marcia norman called um dark arts <laughs> <laughs> where uh people would just talk and like you know it was always things like i'm thinking of firing my agent and it's like oh boy, like, you know, like, I didn't even know you could have, like, you know, I know nothing about this. Mm. Um, No one ever talked about getting an agent at Iowa. Um, Or certainly no one official, like. Right, right, right. It was kind of taboo. (laughs) Totally taboo. To talk about, yeah. I think Bear would have, like, kicked me out a window if I'd been, like. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But, but yeah, Juilliard, it's so especially since it's in New York and people are in really different stages um, in their careers. There's a lot of people talking through like, well, I had this experience at this like festival and I had this weird exchange and I'm not sure like how to do that. Or like, they're asking me for things about this kind of rights situation. Like, you know, it was just all this stuff that I would just like sit there, like taking little creepy notes, like a little mouse, like, <laughs> cause I was like, no clue how any of this works. And, you know, in some ways, they're really complimentary. But I think, you know, it would have been interesting to have, like, a little bit more of that in grad school. Mm-hmm. So you've talked about um, some of the playwrights and teachers who were very influential for you when you were just starting to write plays. But I'm wondering, are there any particular plays or playwrights that you're really excited about right now um, who you think are doing exciting things with the form or you can't wait to see what they come up with next? I'm so, I'm the worst at this, this question always, inevitably. I'm always <laughs> like, a play. What is a play? Like theater? <laughs> like I'm horrible at it. Um, and my default often, which feels like a cop out a little bit, but also is not, is that like, you know, as I've already like mentioned, I'm so inspired by the playwrights in in my cohorts at both yeah. Iowa and Yard. Um, like I'm so, and I'll like name drop them because they're all really cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah, please do. Um, yeah, so like, you know, I think Scott Bradley, who, you know, you spoke to 
recently is mm-hmm. amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I love, I love his play seed, his, his solo show packing. I went with, um, with my friend Molly Winstead and we drove from New York to Chicago over like wow. a week to see wow. it because I was so excited to see it. I think he's so talented. Um, and Maricela Trevino Orta, um, and her play, you know, I love Wolf at the Door, Shoe mm-hmm. is really good. Um, and The River Bride, obviously everyone loves The River Bride. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think she's doing such fascinating things with like twisting, you know, this this sort of like twisting of fairy tale genre is like really my jam. I love stuff like that. And then at Iowa or at Juilliard, um, I was with Ebony Booth, who her play Paris is amazing. It's about like, um, you know, it's tracking like a group of people in like a big box store in Vermont in the 90s. And it's so it's just so phenomenal. It's just looking at like just the little, just the way these little tiny struggles of people's lives are so huge in the lives of individual people. And you look at them and you never see anything. That was one of the last plays I saw before everything shut down and it was so good. <laughs> but, and then I also... Uh, there's Matthew Capodacasa, who was in my year at Juilliard, too, and he just writes really fun. Sorry, I'm, I'm gushing about all these people. Uh, this is what we love. <laughs> but he's got, like, these, you know, his plays are so, his world building is, like, so intricate and so beautiful. He's got one, like, um, The City and the City. Oh, shit. There's two. There's one that's, like, The City and the City, and then there's The City Squared, and now I'm scared I've mixed them up. Um, but, you know, it's just, like, so this just like really intricate world building, which I love because I just like sit down and like fall into this. Oh, that's great. And then listeners will have to go check out both of those plays. Yes, check them both out. One of them actually is a podcast. Uh, Oh, cool. Ebony Boo as one of the actors. Uh, (laughs) But um, I think The City and the City is a podcast. Uh, And then um, the last member of my cohort is at Juilliard was um, Jessica Wong, who has Mm. uh, Mother of Exiles, which is so beautiful which is like looking at sort of um you know immigration and transit uh through three generations and like one is the past one is like recent past uh and one is the future and it's looking also at like climate change and things like that and i think that play is amazing uh and paper dreams of um harry chen is one of her other plays which is oh, super that's great super good. Yeah. uh which is so good <laughs> like i love that play <laughs> But um, yeah, so those are my, those are the people I'm, you know, privileged enough to be in lists with often. Uh, and I, I think they're just also like talented. I mean, that's, and that's one of the things I really loved about school and loved about Juilliard and stuff like that is getting to sit and like, you know, I brought in three plays, but it meant that I also heard nine new plays just from the people in my year. Mm-hmm. Is that how math works? Yes. Uh, my- <laughs> Um, <laughs> like see just to hear all these plays and be really invested in them and like just to get to sit for you know whatever two hours on a Wednesday afternoon and like eat snacks and listen to like really amazing theater was like a dream uh and I felt that way at Iowa too like on Mondays for workshop it was like mm-hmm. exciting to like show up and be like and what will I be seeing today and like mm-hmm. uh, yeah um, I want to circle back on this idea of feedback that you talked about earlier. Um, mm-hmm. 
how you when you first received feedback from Sherry Creamer about your play, was there ever a time like a learning curve for you to give feedback to others? Because mm. as I'm Ooh. saying that, you know, obviously you're in Iowa and Juilliard and it is a very like workshop um, environment. So was there ever a learning curve for you? Because I know for sure I had a learning curve of how to give feedback for others. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Well, I mean, and it's the interesting thing where like part of me is like thinking of the the learning curve of like learning how to give useful feedback mm-hmm. and versus the learning curve of like learning how to speak in feedback, which felt like two yeah. very different. Um, right. Oh my gosh. Yes. Because mm-hmm. uh, especially at Iowa, like, you know, I would sit and I'd like, and I still have a lot of these notebooks and I would sit and I would doodle and I would like write down little bits of uh, text that like struck me, or, you know, I would just like be tracking different things and, you know, um, and that's my jam. Like, you know, I was, I love like listening and analyzing and stuff like that. So writing all that down was nothing. And then we would go into like feedback and I'd be like, oh, I can't talk about any of the, like, you know, it's all just, oh, like, gosh, yeah. it's a jumble. And I, you know, and especially that first term at Iowa, I was like, I don't know these people and they're all really smart. And I'm like, <laughs> uh, not, and you know, um, so that was definitely like a big learning curve. And then just always, you know, just figuring out how to, and I didn't, you know, Sherry's like feedback, the kind of feedback we would give in class in undergrad with Sherry was like, certainly like Liz Lerman-esque, but I don't know that we ever like discussed Liz Lerman or like, you know, we never like really talked through like, this is how we structure Mm. or like, you know, it just, it was a little more, um, and especially actually this was true for my first term at Bennington too because I like jumped into this intermediate playwriting class and everyone there knew each other and I was like I'm a fraud <laughs> like, uh, I, I weaseled my way in and maybe Sherry gives like more of a uh, structure in the in beginner class and then was just like these people know what they're doing and I was like I don't know what I'm doing uh, mm-hmm. but but yeah, it's so hard. It's like so hard to give feedback and then to give useful feedback is even harder. Uh, yeah. Especially, and that was one of the things that like at Iowa, teaching at Iowa, I think has made me much better at like giving mm. full feedback because it was like, well, I could write these kids plays, but I'm the teacher. Like, you know, like, right, exactly. Like they're, they're writing their plays and I want them to write the best version of their play that they can. And so it just, it just really solidified for me that like, and I don't think that like prior to that, I was going into workshop and being like, this is what you got to do. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Get the whole second act. Like, you know, I was never like doing that, but it just, it made something shift where it's like, oh, the point of this is actually not for like me to show them how good the play would be if they took all my advice. Like, you know. Right. 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 It is. It's a different way of thinking about it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but and yeah. I think there are programs where that is the kind of feedback you receive. Yes. I think that's true. Certainly. Um, or just having spoke to other friends in different programs. Um, and it's, and I think too, that like goes back to this whole idea of like what really worked for me at Iowa and Juilliard is that they're really just like, so you're here to write your plays. <laughs> like, you know, there's mm-hmm. no, like, there's certainly no, I mean, I think art did like a special topics and structure, 
Mm-hmm. That was us looking at all different kinds of structures you could use, but it was never like, let's, okay, structure 101. You open on this. And then by page seven, you should have that. And then you need to know here. And like, right. Like, you know, it was never like that. Um, which I think makes it easier for people to, um, you know, you sort of get better feedback because they're not trying to adhere to this idea of like what a good play looks like. And they're certainly right. adhering to their idea of what a good play looks like. But even in the room at Iowa, that could shift very wildly from person to person. Like, uh, And so you would get feedback that could fit for all different kinds of plays and all different kinds of structures and stuff like that. Um, yeah, and well, this makes me curious about when you were teaching playwriting mm-hmm. at Iowa. And I don't know if you've taught since then, but how did you approach the teaching of how to write a play like before you even give feedback on what they've written did you um teach structure or were you more open or I'm just curious about how you approached it yeah we looked at a couple of different things I mean my main goal you know the sort of the way I'd structured the class was that we started reading you know a wide selection of plays and sort of like not not quite workshopping the plays because obviously the plays are done and published. Um, but, you know, sort of a looking at talking, how to talk about plays um, mm-hmm. and talking about like a really wide scope of plays. And we did a little, like, you know, we did like some basics of like Aristotelian stuff. We did a bunch of Freitag pyramids, um, mm-hmm. but sort of looking more at the thing I kind of, I kind of hate Freitag pyramids, but I also really love them because you could do, like you could map at them out like four or five different ways and they could all be right. Right. <laughs> which, yeah. is the, like, which is the thing that's fun and useful from like a teaching of structure perspective is that like, well, just because like Jason thinks that the, the climax is here and this person thinks the climax is there, like those could both be accurate mm-hmm. depending on like, how we stage the play, what our point is in staging the play, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Which I think is fun. Um so yeah, we did like a very little bit of that. I, we read um, Eleanor Fuchs, you know, Visit to a Small Planet, which I love because mm. I think that one is so good about this idea that like you are a visitor to this place and you are taking it, you're, you're not, we're not colonizing this planet. Like we're just visiting. Um, you know, it feels like it sets up this good, just a way of like entering in with without preconceived um, yeah. notions. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so we did that and then we would start workshopping their stuff, um, which was always fast. Like, you know, it's so interesting to facilitate a workshop of people who are really new. And like, you know, the the Playwriting One classes at Iowa are a real grab bag where some of them were, you know, English students or some of them were theater students that I had like interacted with quite a bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And then there were there would just be like an outlier of like a baseball player, and you'd be like, "How did you welcome? Lost? <laughs> <laughs> like welcome?" Yeah. Uh, and so people entering with really different ideas of like what it means to give feedback or what it means to, you know, write a play. Um, and that was always really exciting and like really, yeah, uh, and occasionally horrifying. Like you know, occasionally like <laughs> terrifying. You know, I had this student who wrote a play and I read it and I was like, this play is like a, a pro-life screed. Uh, 
and I was just like, how on earth are we going to like give feedback about that? Like, you know, I <laughs> this play, I think it's not well written and it's really upsetting. And like, you know, but the thing that was amazing was like, I would have them like start, um, you know, we did all this stuff with canvas and things like that, and, but we would start with them like saying, you know, like, so what are your like goals for this piece? And he's like, and I, well, I really want to show that like abortion is a re- really complicated issue and there's no right or wrong side. And I was like, oh, amazing. Like, thank God. (laughs) How wonderful, like we will, you know, and the fact that he was able to be like, this is the play I brought in and this is what I want to do. And then we could just give feedback about what he wanted to do. Yeah. And a lot of places it lined up with some of the things that like very happily for me, it lined up with some of the things that I was like, oh, I'm very uncomfortable with this. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even have to say it. Like the kids were the students were were bringing up like, well, if you want her to be like likable, I I have some questions about this moment or like she seems really inconsistent. Um, you know, if you think it's like a complicated issue, maybe she shouldn't keep calling herself a murderer. Like, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> like different things like that. And the play actually got kind of good. Like, you know, like the the final draft of it was so different and like so much more like, you know complicated than this first draft that he brought in where I was like oh so this is like it feels like um like agit prop that he's going to do outside of the like abortion clinic like you know it was like I was like oh god <laughs> like uh but well and that's so I feel like that's such exciting work to be doing in a playwriting class is like grappling with really complicated yeah. heavy issues and also thinking about kind of walking young writers through this process of like okay, here's your intention and here's how it's coming across. Yeah. And, and how can you as a writer kind of bridge that gap that mm-hmm. we're noticing? Yeah. Um, that's like, really interesting. And, yeah. and to be able to write about issues that are really important to them. You know, I know. And that was the thing was I was totally, well, and that was the thing as I was reading this first draft was I was like, oh, I wish he hadn't written this. And then I was like, but also I'm, I'm glad he didn't just write like nonsense. I'm glad he wasn't just like, well, my roommate drank my milk and now I'm going to write a play about how <laughs> it is. like when your milk isn't where you want it to be. Like he was, he like really took it seriously and was like really trying to engage with this Something thing that he's deeply he, invested in. Yeah. yeah and like he had a lot of complicated like thing. And, you know, and like for myself, often when I'm writing a play, you know, a lot of the things that I like write about or the things that I pick are things I want to do more research about or think more deeply about. And he like really picked something that he was like, and I'm going to do my research and like, mm-hmm. you know, like when I wrote Quiz Out, I was deeply fascinated by this like evangelical um, Bible quiz competition thing. And I was like, oh, I just like want to know everything about this like world. I um, love that play. Marvel. I love that it's so good. <laughs> uh, thank you. Uh, I love that play. Um, but yeah. Well, and one of the things too that like, I think I also took this from from player writing classes with Sherry um, was also this idea that I can't actually grade writing. Like you can't grade writing. Like some people are going to be better at it than others and they'll never, like, you know, everyone will have their own like style and ability to like change. Who am I to decide what good writing looks like? You know, like mm-hmm. that's not actually my job. Um, so one of the things that I like was setting out to do within like the class and like how I structured sort of their, you know, their, they were, their final project was getting graded on like a revision of the one act that they brought into class. Um, 
and I like had them, you know, similarly to this like conversation before this um, place feedback session, I had them like write like, okay, like what were the things you were trying to address? Like, what did you get from our feedback session in class? And like pick one thing and what's the one thing that you wanted to work on and how did you try and work on it? Because mm. that's like the only play way that you can actually like, because it's their play. Like, you know, do I think the play would be better if different things happened? Like probably. Uh, that happens with most plays that I see. It's like at a certain point, I'm like, but why didn't they go this way? <laughs> mm. Mm. Uh, and so, you know, it just felt like, I don't, I don't remember why I started talking about this. Oh, just that it just felt like, um, you know, that there's, there really is no wrong way to write a play, but there's your goals and there's the, your intention, right? Mm -hmm. And if you set out like why you want to do this thing and you talk about how you hope to do it, like that feels really valuable. And that feels like the thing to keep in mind when giving feedback too, is this idea of like, well, if they're saying their intention is to like do this, here are the places for me where it doesn't do that. And this is why. Um, and it has nothing to do with like, whether or not I think that's good. <laughs> like, It just has to do with like, well, that's not effective in that moment for me because of this and this and whatever. Mm -hmm. um, all right. So we have a couple more questions before we move on to glistens. Um, here's a fun question. Um, which maybe you already answered in a way. <laughs> but um, so name three playwrights, living or dead, that you would invite to a dinner party. But I think based on your previous answer about your cohorts, I think it's going to be a very big dinner party. <laughs> dinner party is seven. Not appropriate for COVID. Uh, but yeah, no, truly, I wish I could just like have dinner with Scott, Bradley, and Maricela and like, and Nina too, Nina Morrison. Mm, like, mm. our. All former guests on oh. this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, great. So everyone can just go listen to their ones and then they'll be at my like fave dinner party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, sometimes I forget to say Nina because Nina wasn't a part of our cohort original, didn't start. Mm, but, right, but right, right, right. But, uh, Okay, yeah. well, let me let me rephrase and say, is there a dead playwright that you would really love to meet if you could? <laughs> yeah. A dead playwright? Now I'm like, who are dead? Um, <laughs> oh, God. I'm so terrible at this shit. Um, oh, a dead playwright. Um, oh, shit. No, I don't know. All of them. Uh, <laughs> Now I really am trying to think of death dates. Would people. you rather meet Samuel Beckett or William Shakespeare? Oh, I think Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> well, because that's like when I was a kid and I was so into acting. Uh, mm. And then also I would like write and I was I was reading all the time, constantly. And people would be like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I would be like, well, William Shakespeare used to write his plays and perform in them. <laughs> like, <you know? laughs> Mm. Uh, I yeah. Should I mean, that would be them. pretty cool. Also, you could be like, "Are you one person?" I know. Did are you, you really actually write everything <laughs> you wrote? What is it, Amelia Bassano? Please, I did. I did when I was a teenager. Go to a. Uh, I don't know why this was happening. Maybe she was going to be Jewish too. But I went to a lecture at my synagogue about like how Shakespeare was actually a black Italian Jewish woman. Oh, I love that. She, I think she must have been Jewish because I don't know why else the synagogue would have hosted this talk. Mm. Uh, but 
cool. which was amazing which i was i like, want to meet that shakespeare Ugh, dreams um well marco what advice would you give to the many young playwrights who listen to this show who are just starting out um maybe have written one play or thinking about writing a play what would you tell them yeah i mean i just think like take time uh and i just and i think too like you know just like it's so see so much theater like see as much theater as you possibly can i don't know how Mm. much how possible that is at this moment it seems to shift week by week but um yeah I just think see like see theater read books I love documentaries but like I feel like for me too is like it feels like all my plays start from like reading something or like thinking about something or watching a documentary and being like well what if it actually happened like this like you know Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. there's a documentary called bible quiz I think I believe um that I watched, which was tracking this like group of young misfits on their way to Bible quiz nationals. And the girl in the documentary is deeply, deeply in love with the boy captain. (laughs) And admits it like two quarters of the way through the two quarters, hmm, two thirds of the way through the documentary is just like, I love JP. And I was watching this like, this is like, and you know, she was like this little nerd. I loved her. Like I loved this whole documentary, but I was watching that and I was like, what if it wasn't JP? Like, what if it was Rachel, her other like teammate? Mm. Um, like, what does that look like? Cause there's already so much mixed up in this in like having a crush and having a crush in this like weird evangelical environment and like all of these things. And then like, what does it look like when the person you're crushing on isn't the person people would want you to be? Uh, right, right. And that's like, you know, what that's, the whole thing of quiz out um is two girls falling in love on their youth evangelical bible quiz team <laughs> uh and tough too actually uh well tough wasn't a documentary but like whatever you know i just love reading nonfiction or like watching documentaries or like anything and just being like well but like what if it actually happened like this or like belfast too i was like reading a news article that um was about how about the Jewish community in Belfast today, which is very, very small. Um, and there's like one line, which is like, because so many people left mm. the troubles. And I was like, oh, that's like really fascinating. What does it feel like to be this Jewish person in the middle of this sectarian struggle in which you belong to neither side? Uh, yeah. And yet you still have to like figure out how to make a life here. Um, mm. You know, is was really fascinating to me. Um. So yeah, I just think do like read as much and watch as much and like just look at the stuff you're interested in um, because that's where good shit comes from. And like I'm so, and this is how I feel about a lot of plays I see is like I'm so interested in learning about what other people are interested in. Like that's my favorite thing. Mm -hmm. And like that's clearly how I write my plays too. I'm just like I want everyone to know everything that I found out Mm -hmm. in the course of my like research. Um. So yeah, and I think take time. I think don't rush, uh, especially not into like grad school. <laughs> but I just think take time and do that. I don't know. That's great. Mm-hmm. Solid, solid advice, folks. Um, <laughs> uh, your play quiz app is making me think of this time in my life where 
I grew, I grew up in a church and then there was this thing my church did called Awana. I don't know if you've heard of Awana. Um, oh, I have not. What but is it's that? basically, it's where, it's insane. Okay, so it's like elementary, from elementary students to high school students. Um, in our church, you're kind of learning these games. It's like an after school program, but after church every Sundays where you're like, mm-hmm having to come and memorize Bible verses and like recite. And, um, and then there's like playing games, like <laughs> tug of war or whatever stuff, like just kind of like outdoor games that you play. And then basically all year long with your church group uh, peers, you're memorizing together, you're playing all these games together. And then there's like every spring or once a year there's like a big kind of like a not a national but like a regional tournament with all the other churches where so I just remember I was like I'm like having I'm I'm like asking my mom where am I going and she's like get on the bus you're going somewhere with church have fun (laughs) you know and then and then it was like so you did this you you memorized verses and played tug of war Against a other tug of war or like some sort of like a, a tag game, like a flag. I don't know. Like, <laughs> like capture the bunch flag. Of, <laughs> capture the flag. Like just, there was just like a bunch of games. And so um, it was like all the local churches. We came together at like a big one, big church. And we're all as representative of our church. We're competing wow. in this like, tournament. Yeah. And then I just remember it was like, but OK, so I came, I, I was like an all Korean American church and it was all, all these, so it's like all these Korean kids and like, everyone was white so we're just like what are like it was like everyone's from like, this big mega church they're like wow. you could tell they're like three times their size arranged to them we're like tiny oh little, little Korean kids um but I just remember it made me think of that I was like why did my parents like put me there <laughs> like why did we do that no um, it's fascinating that is that's so uh that's so bible quiz uh, their goal is you memorize a book of the Bible every wow. year. So if you do it all, I don't know, the, the whole span of time that you're wow. eligible, you'll have memorized the entire Bible. Oh uh, is their like goal. It's really weird. Yeah. There's someone in this documentary, which is like, and they don't even have to be like paying attention, like, cause their brain is soaking all this up. Their brains are like sponges, like, you know, and then this will affect them the rest of their lives. And it's like, cool. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Way to take something yeah. that could be real fun and make it a little creepy. Yeah, <laughs> oh my yeah. But, and I actually knew someone who from my church like knew the whole Bible and memorized the wow. whole thing. And then we would always kind of like, okay, start from the beginning. <laughs> She's not, <laughs> and then just make her recite, try to recite as much as she can. But that's, um, yeah, that's it's a, uh, it's definitely its own uh, life and culture. <laughs> um, sweet. All right, so we'll move on to glistens. Um, Margo, glistens, you're probably aware of what we used to do in, um, in the <laughs> yeah. workshop, but for this show, it's something that just highlight, you want to highlight during the week. It could be like a headline or a, a new discovery. Um, so the yeah, I could start. Saw. A show you <laughs> saw. So I have a glisten, which I think was Sam's glisten early on. Yeah, like, like two years ago. Two years ago. <laughs> really so it took me, me back. So it took me two years, but I read Pachinko. Um, so good. It was, it was like, ever since you recommended it, I was like, uh, or you suggested it in glisten, shared it on glisten. I was like, okay. It was on the back burner, but it took me a while to get here. But I finally read it, which is great timing because they have the show coming out, Pachinko, on Apple TV in a few weeks. Oh, really? Um, 
Is it based mm-hmm. on the novel? Yeah, it's based on the novel. It's gonna oh. be on Apple TV. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I was first of all, it really made me think about what it means to be Korean. Um, because I remember my my sister telling me that um, you know, she took a genetic testing and she was like, Sarah, did you know we're like one sixteenth Japanese? And I'm like, What? Ooh. Not you mean you or me, or like all of us? So like she was like, Yeah, we're one sixteenth. Japanese and then she told my uncle and my uncle had said this like really like Ooh. racy thing of like I knew your dad wasn't pure <laughs> you know Whoa. Like, it was so bad like it was so weird and then so then it really made me think about um and then pachinko just opened my eyes of like when Korea was under occupation with Japan and just like the Koreans then moved to Japan and like you know, they weren't seen as an equal or they were like the lesser than, you know, like there's something all that, that I was like, oh my gosh, like I, uh, I just like, I didn't realize the gravity of what it meant to be under occupation, like being a Korean and, and you're like either China or Japan owned mm. you, you know what I mean? Like it was, so it just really made me think about that being Korean and like, how far Korea has come as its own country since mm. all that. It's Because if you think about Korean War, um, the Korean has been its own for only like 50 years, like maybe a little bit more yeah. than 50 years, 50, 60 years. So I was just like, wow, uh, pretty remarkable. But it's such a deeply researched novel, too. It's like she yeah. has so much detail in there. Oh, this uh, is yeah. so good. Nice really selling me on this book you uh, should read it Margo. it's <laughs> so good well yeah, i remember right. reading it at the beginning of the pandemic when i just had so much time and nowhere to go and so i could yeah. like really dig into it it's a long yeah. novel but it's like so it's so good oh, so good yeah. yeah that's my jam um right. my glisten is i so i hope this won't be too dated by the time this episode comes out but I was really captivated by the story of the 13 guards on this Mm. tiny, tiny little island called Snake Island um, that's part of Ukraine, but was just captured by a Russian warship. And um, just the courage that they showed Mm. when they were, you know, told they could lay down their weapons. And basically they said, F you. And then they were just killed by this Russian warship. And, um, what's what's so incredible about this war right now is that they like live streamed that attack so it's all like so much of this is just going to be on cell phone videos yeah um so yeah that's my lesson those very courageous ukrainian guards yeah what about you margo that's actually mine too oh was Um, it yours too yeah not specifically the i'm actually I was thinking, especially today, I was driving um, and I was just thinking of all this, you know, a lot of cell phone footage and stuff like that of these mm-hmm. people trying to leave, um, trying to evacuate. Yeah. And then also the people who are staying and, you know, lining up. And, you know, and now we have like kind of weird experiences, or especially in New York City during the pandemic, I've like waited outside in a lot of lines. Mm. Uh, and there was something of just like watching this group of people like waiting to like get an automatic weapon uh, yeah. and being like, well, I don't really have a choice. Like this is my country and they want to take it and I, they're going to destroy everything. Like, you know, that just like uh, really moved yeah. me. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting too, cause it's not um, 
like, you know, my family's originally from Ukraine, but like it was Poland then, like, you know, it's not. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Or like, you know, this is all like way back 1920s. Um, yeah. But that's where my mother's side of the family is from. Um, like not far from uh, Lviv. Um, wow. But uh, which and which I've also like sort of been tracking like separately previous to this because I really wanted to like go and visit yeah. um, and do like, you know, the Jew uh, mm-hmm. tour of the area. Um, but it's never been like, you know, since the point in time where I've been like interested in going, it's never been really like settled um, enough to go. And I mm-hmm. just think of like all these people, well, and you know, it's, it's just weird. This is all very jumbled, but, you know, thinking of like this Jewish president of Ukraine, who's mm-hmm. being accused of being a neo-Nazi and right. you know, just sort of thinking of like, you know, Jewish people in world war two, like trying to get yeah. out or trying to cross borders or, you know, running from Poland to Russia to back to Poland, like, you know, just like trying to switch sides each time, trying to figure, trying to stay behind the line where they would be safest. Um, mm-hmm. and just thinking of all these people who are really trying to get somewhere, uh, safe and not knowing, you know, how, how to get there is like really. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. There was so much coverage, like the first day the attack started, which I think was yeah. Thursday when all yeah. these people were just like, where do I go? I don't know what I'm mm-hmm. supposed to be doing now. Yeah. <laughs> what, like just walking up to random people on the street and saying, what am I supposed to do? Because yeah. there was just this sense of like, mm-hmm. oh, am I actually going to leave my country mm-hmm. indefinitely with no the understanding that maybe I won't ever be able to come back? I mean, it just like, Ugh. it's terrifying. I know. And, and like seeing all of this like footage of apartment buildings where it doesn't seem like there's been necessarily any like casualties, but the building is bombed and like, imagine right. like if you'll ever be able to come back and if you come back and then it's like everything, we have three tote bags and the kid's backpack. Right. And that's it like you know um yeah I'm finding myself really moved by by a lot of those images um yeah 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 it's wild it's that we're getting all this information in real time too like all this like yeah. happening um I also saw somewhere that like the Russian bots are like sending all these misinformation mm-hmm. out and on the internet about like like you know uh yeah just like confusing ukrainians of like oh where you can go and can't go you know like it's just it's awful and i saw the the president um of ukraine like doing a a live stream which also is like really insane he's like wandering around this active war zone like live streaming like what Mm. a propaganda tool in a good way like you know like what a way to like reach out and like voice spirits that can also like really terribly but where he's like, don't believe like this stuff you're seeing about our troops surrendering. They're not like that's misinformation. Like, you know, it's just. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah because there was there was Russian disinformation that he was telling them mm-hmm. to lay down their arms. And so he's yeah. like. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Yeah. Um, well, um, Margo, not to end this. wonderful interview on such a heavy note we are so glad um you joined us to talk about your plays and where can our listeners find you um i'm on new play exchange under margot Connolly, uh and then i have 
my website, which I, I should fix, but it's right Margo right at weebly.com. Uh, or what is I it? I love that URL. Uh, well, sure, except I should probably get rid of the Weebly bit, which indicates that I <laughs> will not be paying for any hosting for my website. Uh, but um, yeah, and I'm, you know, I'm on Twitter, but I don't tweet anything. I just retweet other people. So not really worth, not worth it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so yeah, that's where I am. Well, thank you, Margo. It was so nice chatting with you. Sure, thanks for having me. I live to chat. <laughs> thanks for tuning in to another episode of beckett's babies if you enjoyed what you heard or learned a thing or two about playwriting be sure to like subscribe and share the podcast with your friends and if you'd like to reach out and share with us your thoughts on playwriting and theater or maybe be a guest on the show Uh, be sure to visit our website at www.beckettsbabies.com. That's www.beckettsbabies.com, and you can contact us there. Thanks for listening.